topic that everyone has talked about has been the Joker film directed by Todd, by Todd Phillips uh, starring Joaquin Phoenix and I thought it'd be very cool to talk about this film but not in the way where we review movies but I'd like to talk about you know, from a, from a Catholic standpoint, talk about what I thought were a couple of the important. There are tons of themes, but what I thought were a couple of the most interesting themes from the film. And as we do that, we can kind of talk about the film as a whole, but really just trying to use the movie as a springboard into much bigger and deeper topics. How does that sound? Exhausting, but good. So, um, the Joker saw it on Sunday afternoon with uh, Aaron and Christina and her boyfriend, Mark. We all went. uh, We all really enjoyed it. Uh, When did you go to see it? I saw it on, I believe, Friday night with a buddy of mine, Brian Jones, the peeping Thomas. Oh. So, you are cheating on me, huh? Yeah, with my work wife. Well, maybe you and your whore of a work wife can go and enjoy your own podcast. Oh, we will. We got it coming. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's called non-rigid Thomists. <laughs> Those don't exist. Um, it's called rigid in other ways, Thomists. Wink. <laughs> it's called, I don't know, sorry. I, I feel like I'm the anti-Aquinas guy, and I don't want to be. All right. Um, so... When I saw this movie, there were like a couple of things that really hit at, like hit me, yeah. and these were in. I, I don't even know what kind of order. Okay, so I'd say the top one would be economic justice. Uh, two would be mental health, and then the the, uh, the third one would be isolation. These were some of the themes that really hit me during. And I've only I'm watching once. Uh, would you agree with that? Would you not agree with that? So um, I got into a Twitter argument with someone over mental health because his whole approach to it was, oh, great, another movie that contributes to the stereotype that all mentally ill people are violent offenders. And I said, it's a movie about the Joker. (laughs) (laughs) Did you not know that by the name of the movie Joker that it's going to be a crazy mind F (laughs) plunge? Yeah. Okay, uh, so I'll say this. I think it is... I think it uses mental health as the vehicle for your third point, which is more important than the mental health, which is abandonment or isolation. Like the constant theme coming up. So you have economic justice, mental health, and isolation. And I would say it's abandonment and and isolation and then those other two. I think those other two are vehicles that serves the main thing, which is the Joker is utterly alone in this world. Not even his mommy is... Um, is really true to him. Well, and I think too, like, so this is a very interesting, uh, it's very interesting movie for a whole lot of reasons. One, 
um, everyone who talks about it has a lot to say about it. And they're all kind of interesting points, which I think go like there are some people who are trying to say this film like like ultimately has no point, which is the dumbest thing I could. Yeah, I, I just, come on, like come on, people, like it's it's and it's kind of weird because the guy who directed it, like this could very easily have been a really stupid movie, and you could have seen like it was a film that had some really good ideas but a poor execution. The last act is phenomenal. I mean, it is just wonderful. I mean, it's horrible, but it's a, in terms of yeah. in terms of like movie enjoyment, it's it's an incredible ex- experience. Um, what really makes this, I'm a, and I, I'm kind of sad because I think given all of the um, disagreement around the film and everyone having their different opinions about it. Are gonna pre- are gonna pre- prevent this from happening, but it is the best acting job anyone has done this year by Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, uh, I mean, he is number one. He's in almost every frame of the movie, not just every scene, but almost every frame. He is incredible. Like there are actors, and then there are people like Joaquin Phoenix in this movie. Yeah, it's. It, I mean, to the point where I think he actually like, lifts. Of the movie from being, from being about good ideas poorly executed to being like, a, I'm not saying it's a masterpiece, but I think what he does in it is it is it is master acting and it is the best thing anyone has done this year. Hundred percent agree. Elevates. Uh, it elevates it in a way that I've honestly haven't seen anyone do before, or I can't think of any other examples where just one person's take on the character on the character elevates it to like a, you know, five star film. And so um, it's just, it's insane. Uh, And so, so just, just so everyone is, I'm aware, uh, I'm gonna probably like have some thoughts in here that I that I you know stole from other podcasts. I've put um, I uh, put those in. I actually created the whole like episode thing for us, so you're welcome. Uh, they are in the show notes if uh, if you are curious to see like which podcasts those were. Uh, probably the two the, probably the two like biggest ones were half in the bag and the Garrison and Leach podcast, both of whom um in really um like the movie so. All right. Uh, sorry, I just, uh, that's a lot of exposition. Is well, there anything else so one of the things that I love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Todd Phillips, the guy that directed the movie, he directed the Hangover movies. He did comedy. And bef- before he did this movie, he said he's done with doing comedies, which he had exclusively done. He said he's doing, done with doing comedies because people, the culture of today won't let comedies, won't let things be funny. And so he decided that here was a thing that he could do and focus on that could be something like really, really powerful. And the screenplay was written and given to Joaquin Phoenix. And Joaquin Phoenix hates franchises. Yeah, he were, he's never um, done a sequel. Yeah, and he hates them. He thinks they're stupid, that they're not cinema. It's just a, a, a corporate thing. And so, which I think you can agree with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, one of the most fascinating things done in modern cinema, but also... It's paint by it's it starts to become paint by numbers over and over and over again, um, but 
what he said, what Joaquin Phoenix's description of what he was doing was uh, he said yes to the script when he read about the... Okay, this is a spoiler. Are we doing spoilers? He said when he found out that the boy had been um, abused, he said his whole view of his character is not a mental ill patient, a mentally ill patient. It is the victim of childhood abuse who lives his adult life with PTSD. That's how he views. So if you look at Arthur Fleck's intimidation, his, um, him shutting down because of you know violence in the very beginning when he's holding the sign, everything must go, which is a beautiful <laughs> metaphor for the movie and his mental health state. Um, a lot of these things, he is the victim of abuse, and so his whole life is defined by it. And he said when he looked at the Joker through, those, through that lens and then read the final act, where he becomes a man of violence and a man of abuse and then becomes his own kind of man. Like, that's the the identity of the paint on his face becomes who he is, whereas the Arthur Fleck is not who he is. The Arthur Fleck is the victim. He, the Joker, is not seen as the hero. He's the victimizer. And so now he's shot. I thought that was so fascinating. Yeah. And to think of Todd Phillips filming this, and Todd Phillips, he said... The whole movie is a character study. It's not meant to be anything else. It's a character study on one man's descent into madness. And, and I think that's the key part there is that they, it's not meant to be a film about mental health. It's a film about, about uh, the Joker, and, and um, this is where they went with it. Like, that came first, I think. And that's w- so I don't think it's a film necessarily that's meant to be about a mental health. Yeah, it's not meant to be a commentary. Joker. Yeah. yeah. It's not meant to be a no, commentary yeah. on mental health. It is... In a wider way, through the mental health vehicle, a commentary on how mentally ill people get abandoned. Yes. Yes. And how they get yes. rejected. Like, I said this before when we talked about depression. When someone breaks their arm, everyone runs to sign their cast. When you find out someone's depressed, they back away slowly from you. You don't listen to you. You just ask the same questions every week. How's your job? Are you having any negative thoughts? All I have are negative thoughts. Right? Like, mentally ill is difficult for people to understand, to grasp, to put up with. And here is Arthur Fleck with clearly social issues. He has seven different psychotropic drugs that he takes to manage his life, his negative thoughts, whatever. And they never come out and tell you. This is the brilliance. And I'll I'll, I'll stop there and we can go into the next part. But the brilliance of this movie is... Is how it plays with ambiguity. Yeah, he takes seven different medicines, but you do, and you know that there have to do. Is it depression, antidepressants? You don't know. Is it antipsychotics? All I have are negative thoughts. What do you mean by negative thoughts? Like I want to harm myself. I want to harm others. Like they don't. They deliberately and even the parts where there's the delusions, like where he thinks he's with the girl and he's not. Which let me tell you, that was the most relief I had in that movie. When oh good, she didn't date her stalker. I know. I, I did think, like, that's kind of weird, but uh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. 
But but that's the man who thinks that just because he laughs at Murray, that Murray is going to invite him out onto the floor and be like, yeah, I've, I, I've had my dad abandon me too. And I, I can tell you're a special guy. Come on out of here. Everyone, round of applause. Right when he has that fantasy sequence in the beginning with his mom when he's sitting on the bed. What's your name? My name's Arthur. Well, there's something special about you, Arthur, I can tell. Well, yeah. And it, yeah, seriously. And it's let's just kind of like stay on the mental health train for a bit because I think that it is a really big, big part of this. Uh, he, um, like, where he goes with it, or like, how it impacts him is so, it's so devastating. But they, but I'm like, not in a way that you understand why he becomes the Joker or you go, well, he had to do that. It's more just like you see how this was a person who was really let down by a lot of different people and then chose to kind of go this way. I don't know if he, I don't know. It's, um, there are, no, I, uh, I, I agree with you. There are, there is a bunch of different Joker origin stories that are kind of out there. And, uh, there was a line from one of the comics where he says, um, I prefer my origins like test multiple choice or something like that. And the there is a um, graphic novel, and I think they made it into a cartoon movie called "Like One Bad Day Away." And the phrase is essentially like, "This is how the Joker becomes the Joker." He had just one really bad day, and the idea is we're really all one bad day away from snapping, losing our shit, and doing something irreparably awful. That's that one bad day thing. Well, this kind of takes that concept and stretches it out. You, you could say, in a sense, over thirty years of one man's life. But especially where it picks up with the movie where, you know, the gun, the being fired, you know, all these different things that kind of line up for his utter humiliation and being robbed of his identity over and over and over again. Because it, it's, it's weird. Like, I felt bad for him when he dropped the gun in the hospital room with all. Oh, totally. The totally. Because you see that he's enjoying performing for them. He's enjoying that he's making them laugh. He's doing the thing that he's always wanted to do, which is to make the world smile. And he's doing it, and he drops this gun. And you can almost, you can almost, but not quite. And this is the brilliance of um, this movie. You can almost, but not quite, forgive him for having the gun because of the beatings he took earlier on. Yeah, exactly. You kind of, and this is a key, and you, and given like what Gotham is at that point in time, a very, for him, it's become a dangerous place. And so why would he almost not have a gun? You know, I'm not saying that I like I'm not saying that I agree that he did, but it's just you understand why he had it and you can feel empathy. They do a good job of like of being able to build up empathy for him in that moment. Yeah, this is the beautiful thing about this movie, like the amazing thing about the movie is they make you feel revulsion and empathy almost at the same time to the same object. Right. Like as you're moving through Arthur's life, you're like, oh, my gosh, all the cards are stacked against this man. But at the same time, he starts doing unspeakably evil things. And then you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like he also is choosing all the wrong things. And it just keeps building and building. But he's like, you have empathy because he's like, you can tell he just wants to be normal. He just wants to make people happy or he just wants to be seen. Which is a big theme throughout yeah. the movie is I just want to be seen. I'm just like, I'm trash to you. Something you step over, something you discard. For my whole life, 
I even really existed. But I do. And people are starting to notice. And uh, and I, I love how Gotham is filled with trash. Even the rich parts of town have trash, bags of trash just stacked up as you watch the collapse of social services and the collapse of public services and all of this stuff. And yet the rich are seemingly untouched by it and the poor have to wallow in it. And he identifies with that. And then in the end, Gotham identifies with him and revolts, right? Well, and then I just want to end this here. This is a quote from John Paul II on depression. Um, uh, he says, stretch out a hand to th- to the sick to make them perceive the tenderness of God. Um, and I'm going to skip over these next two, these next two lines here in a world in which they can love and be, and be loved. I think that's so interesting. Um, this idea that people who have a mental health, like they need us who have a mental health issues, uh, which are a lot, like we know a lot of people who, you know, who do, and perhaps like, you know, um, I mean, like, we all have some type of a mental issues just because we are like human beings and, but, and we all know, uh, uh, we all know people or perhaps like, or perhaps I'm all, you know, like we have experienced these intense on the mental illness. Um, um, you know, I, I guess I want to call them diseases that, that, that can happen. And we become uh, the leper, the person who can't, can't be touched. The person who has to, you know, who feels cut off from, you know, from, everyone else and we see especially when they take away his access to his only access to help which is through like a you know state run place when they when they close that down it's devastating for him and just that i I think like his inability to one be loved or then two especially when he loses his job he doesn't have any opportunities to really i want to love anyone else He's kind of in his, he's basically in his own hell. All right, here's the deal. You ain't got no staff, no time, and certainly no budget to make creating compelling content for social media in any way a priority. So what do you do as a Catholic parish? Probably what most parishes do, and you just copy and paste things straight from your bulletin page onto your Facebook page. Man, that ain't no way to live. And yet, all the millennials, Gen Xers, and even grumpy, fussy baby boomers are online like 24-7, which means your church can be online like 24-7. And they don't just want you to have a presence online. They want it to be good, like like really, really good. That's why CatholicSocial.media exists. You subscribe to them, and they hook you up with daily social media posts that you can personalize for your parish without their, like, logo all over the stuff. You know, like when you illegally pull stuff from Google Image Search, and it has other people's logos all over everything? Not that I've ever done that. I am as pure as the morning dew. CatholicSocial.media is a Catholic company with Catholic artists, designers, writers, and videographers coming up with the very best stuff for your parish. And you can look like a genius and save time and money. Head on over right now to try.catholicsocial.media. Apparently, the design nerds over there are big fans of Catching Foxes, and they created a free trial with a discount code FOXES for you just to try out their stuff and see if it's a good fit for your parish. That's a free trial with the promo code FOXES over at try.catholicsocial.media. 
catholicsocial.media. Special thanks to catholicsocial.media for sponsoring this show. Uh, one of the things that I said is this is not one guy who on Twitter, he's some con, uh, American conservative, maybe magazine author or something. He wrote like, oh, this movie is revenge porn for the writhing class who will never That's what we get to next, who will never revolt. And I know that they'll or they know that they'll never revolt. And Hollywood knows it, too. And I I was like, this is not at all revenge porn. Yeah, not in the slightest. Yeah, not in the slightest. And then I wrote to the guy, I said, the only reason why you're saying that is you look like one of the three bankers in the subway car. <laughs> and I, I even had a colleague at work, and I was like, hey, does this sound like I'm giving him a death threat? Because that's not what I wanted to sound like. I just want to point out that this guy looks like a Wall Street douche. Anyhow, so I said, um, I said, uh, so I says to Mabel, I says, uh, that the idea of the riving underclass revenge porn like they don't the director doesn't even leave that like it's not the haves versus the have nots even because the have nots turns out to be just a bunch of craven sociopaths right and it's this whole mix and mingling of people who refuse well in one sense they refuse empathy like thomas wayne just calls all those people clowns and then that's when the movement starts um they canonize the three bankers who you actually know were the villains. I mean, those three guys were potential rapists. Like, that's what that scene yeah. was building up to. Mm-hmm. She's alone in the car. She's just ignoring them. She's trying to they're throwing French fries. They're talking to her. They're doing all that stuff. <laughs> it's something funny. Stay out, freak. And if it wasn't for his condition, his laugh that drew them to him, right? So you could have had almost like a Christological moment, right? Like he's drawing them, he's drawing their rage and anger into himself instead of to this woman. But what happens? Well, he pulls out the gun and he shoots two of the guys in self-defense in, in a very real way. I mean, they're just wailing on him. They clocked him right in the face to the ground. And they're wailing. They're kicking him as hard as they can. And he turns, pulls the gun out, and shoots two of them. And he clips the third. But then this is where it goes from empathy to revulsion. Like, if that were me, if I were in the middle of the night on a New York subcar, subway car, and three healthy young guys just start wailing on me, and I had a gun, you're damn right I would use it. I would definitely, at the very least, I would pull it out and threaten them, right? But then the thing then happens is he then follows the third guy out and he shoots him again and then shoots him. Then it goes into cold blood, right? And so that's the thing that I think is so fascinating with how he presents the descent into madness. One of the things that the the red letter media guys said, the half in the bag, was they were kind of annoyed at the first two acts because it was almost a paint by numbers for the descent into madness genre. Right, every all these external things pushing on him and pushing on him and pushing, and then he breaks. But I think they do a better job than just that. I think, I think, uh, yeah, yeah. I think it was a little paint by numbers in terms of the economic in justice stuff. So the fact that they've got people who are uh, protesting, saying Thomas Wayne is a fascist and things like that. 
It's kind of like you all know what this means, so here, here it is. Here's how you know that there's economic unrest here. People calling rich people fascists, which is like what people do now. Um, going back, though, really quick to those two guys on the bus. Sorry, to the, uh, you know, couple guys on the bus. I started uh, to think about this in terms of Benedict the 16th document on economic like justice. Uh, I'm going to pronounce this wrong because I don't know. I'm a, I don't know. Truth Latin. and love. Carry. Yeah, sorry. Truth and love, or caritas in verdate, whatever. <laughs> so, psst, put that in your blood. <laughs> I'm going to leave it right people. there. <laughs> yeah, but I don't care. Um, and th- there's this like one line here at the very end of I think this is paragraph like 38, where he talks about um, how when we look at ec- how, uh, when we look at economic life, do we, it has to have a like a it has to have like a lot of layers. And one key part to it is the aspect of 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 fraternal res, uh, res, uh, fraternal. This is a hard word to say if you have a speech impediment. <laughs> fraternal reciprocity. Nailed it. He says that 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 ha- that it has to be present, and that scene on the bus is the lack of. That you mean the subway car right there? Yes. Sorry. On the subway car, it is like it is what happens when what when like what like Benedict is talking about when that happens when you don't have that fraternal reciprocity. People who like care about others in a way that uh, makes them their own that they need to take care of that they know that they have to look out for because it is a it is a good and right thing to do. You then have these guys on a bus. Who, because they're in the nice um, suits, because because they have the finance jobs, because they're doing everything that a quote unquote capitalist culture that like they think what a good person does or what a person who has their life their life together is um, doing, and then they encounter him, who's in he's in his clown outfit. He uh, has he been fired yet? Yeah. Yeah, so he's fired. You know, he kind of like they have more worth in that culture than he does at that moment in time, and that's and that is a wrong that is going that is going to um, it's going to like manifest itself, and it does in a violent way. And you, I think it's a great example of um, like this, you know, church teaching here of that we, you know, um, that the. Part of the economic life has to be a concern and care for um, those who are in who are in need. And if you don't have that, it it basically makes the Wayne guys, the guys who you know have the money, have, like have um, have the jobs when they don't ha- when they don't have uh, truth. Also, like they um, lack charity. They're unable. They can't help but be assholes because they've become unselfish assholes through uh, of the system in which they exist. Like in that world, how could they be anything else but horrible, horrible like douchebags? Right, right, totally. And and how could um, Arthur? How could he react in any other way but that? Is that a stupid idea? Is that a dumb idea? Tell me, I'm great. You can say that again, pal. No, I think – so one of the reasons why the Catholic Church has always condemned Marxism 
is because of Marxism's doctrinal stance that the haves and the have-nots must always be at war with each other. That the rich and the poor or the working class and the capital owners must always be in opposition. And they said, no, you can actually love each other. You can, you can actually have solidarity with each other. And in fact, as long as the capitalist and the proletariat worker, as long as they keep encountering each other and don't set up systems of abstraction to keep the rich from the poor, then you're going to increase fraternity. But what happens in a society where the rich are able and, in fact, encouraged to separate themselves as far as possible from the poor, right? Like, so Thomas Wayne has a mansion with flawlessly manicured lawns. He does not have a trash problem because though he might be in the Heights, didn't you know that's in Gotham City? Um, that was a shout-out to Harvey Dent. Um, that the... <laughs> That even with all of that, right, the, the alienation that creeps in between rich and poor and their gated communities and keep them away, that is part of the manifestation of this breakdown of what you call what, – what was the, the term of solidarity? What was it? The reciprocity. Uh, the rest- fraternal yeah. – yes, fraternal um, reciprocity. And I think it's very interesting that he uses the, the – uh, I'm like word like fraternal. And in that same paragraph, he um, – or um, the like – Ending there, he starts talking about John Paul II, talking about like you really uh, ha- um, have the market, the state, and, and then you also have like uh, have like society, and these things all need to be working together uh, for like for like fraternity. You know that like that is that this has got to be there it, 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 for like all this to work. That like that like fraternity has to be a part of it. And if you don't, it's going to lead to this type of a destruction. You know, it's it's really – and that's why, like, um, this film, I think, is so good because it gives you so much to chew on with this. And it's, like, I don't think – because I don't think he dis, he becomes the Joker. In fact, you know, like, he obviously would not become the Joker had it not been – because, like, what's the, what's the worst thing that happens here? The worst thing that happens – and like what he says at the end of the film, after right before he kills a Robert De Niro's character, is um, like he says, "I'm doing this because you just ignore me," and like that's the result of all of this is that people are completely isolated, which is hell. They are putting people in hell isolation. How about another joke, Murray? No, I think we've had enough of your jokes. What do you get? I don't think so. When you cross I think a mentally ill loader with a society that abandons him and treats him like trash, call the police, I'll geez. tell you what you call get. Call the police. Get what you fucking deserve. <laughs> that just doesn't happen. You know, so of course it, you know, is the mental health stuff, but it's also like it doesn't happen without this economic um, issues. And I think it's very interesting that they, you know, they first you think Thomas Wayne uh, uh, might be the bad guy kind of in all of this. And then you think that Thomas Wayne, you know, okay, so he really um, like um, wasn't the bad guy, but he is just kind of a not nice guy. But then at the very end, there's a hint that there may have been, he may have kind of been like a dude, like 
maybe more oh, irresponsible. You mean than the picture you thought? The photograph. Yeah. Oh, that was r- really interesting. See, that's what this movie is. That's why this movie is so good. Is they do crap like that, where he has a photograph that says, "Like your eyes are." I love your smile, or something like that, or I um, love that smile. T.W. And you're like, wait a second. So was there an affair? And when the Joker um, wads it up, because that's when he's fully becoming the Joker. When he wads that up, it's like he's he's almost like saying. Well, uh, now I don't care if it's true or false, you know, and, and that was part of the expression of his descent into madness is also a break with other people's needs, wants, desires, expectations. Mom, stop writing to Thomas Wayne. I'm going to kill you. I'm done with that. Thomas Wayne, like, I don't even care about you if you are my dad or not. Like, I'm just done with that. And he went on the Murray show to shoot himself. At least that's what everything leads you to believe, that he's going to blow his head off in front of everyone. I thought that he might uh, do it as well. And Well, I mean, I think that's what they wanted you to think, and I think that's what Joker thought he was going to do. But then it twisted into that rage moment, and he shot Murray instead. And, it's, it, and then you think, okay, so what did you think about the very end of the movie when he's with the other counselor in Arkham Asylum? <laughs> <sighs> Part of me thought was all of this just a dream, like a hallucination. Did he commit some crime? And he because he goes, you know, I just uh, I just thought of of like a funny joke, but you wouldn't get it. Did he hallucinate a whole bunch of what we just saw? Yeah. Did he hallucinate <laughs> the movie? Yeah, yeah, or you know, or like, is he in jail because perhaps you know is he in jail after he killed those those um couple of guys? Is he you know, whatever? Um, and that's what I think is great. Like that's why I like the movie. It's because now it's like, well, I don't know what I don't know. <laughs> like, what is he? Is was the whole thing fake snippets, or was he saying you don't get the joke? Meaning I'm going to kill you because I can. And I'm and I do and he does and he runs out or he dances out and he's got the blood on his shoes as he walks. Down. So yeah, it's implied that perhaps he he killed her. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I totally think he did. Yeah. Uh, and then he's like just I'm a little, and then he's just like running away from um one of the like you know uh, guards or whatever and it's almost like a comedy in the way that he's running the way that the guard is I'm um, running after him. Yeah. It's um. It's a really good movie. Like, there's this thing. Uh, this, I, I should try to put this in the show notes. That Father Harrison uh, from the Clearly Speaking podcast. He talked. Um, he uh, he really liked it, and he hit on a couple of these of these issues. But he also talked about how the it was, you know, kind of displays the uh, powers of like symbols, and how people, even though we have completely rejected them in our culture people are still drawn to them and ultimately this is you know the inverse of batman i think it was on half the bag as well this whole, this whole story is very interesting because it's you know batman in reverse almost or like yeah. like everything about batman is you know inverted it's a story of the joker thomas wayne's the bad guy and which I kind of had issues with a bit i, I, I did too. even though i like what they did with it like thomas wayne is always viewed as a good man, someone who was trying to do the right thing for Gotham, and that's the tragedy of him being, you know, killed. It's not just what it did to Bruce, it's what it did to Gotham. Yeah. 
But um, and so, anyways, of uh, f- what like father had talked about was just like it's the power of what of the symbol that the Joker became, just as much as Batman is a symbol as well. And how people just were so drawn to that. What um, symbols do because they speak to this kind of almost like natural like law part of us that just it just like we can't help but be drawn to it because it speaks to this part of us that is just so inerrant to who and what we are or what we lack. He it speaks to the id. Yeah, yeah. Were you okay on knowing the Joker's back? The fact that the thing that had never really been defined all that you know all that all that much or you know kind of or just has like a loose background that doesn't really matter because the whole point of the joker is that his background hasn't mattered all that much um this is all about that were you okay with that uh with them giving a backstory to joker yeah i i was because because of the way they told the story it left so many things open that i felt like they did not do an injustice to the Joker. Because there is an Arthur Fleck storyline. Mm-hmm. There are other storylines. And he drew from a couple and he made up his own. But the whole idea of having a backstory, I'm totally fine with. I think I think it's great. I think it's great that there's... Because it's ambiguous. Yeah, and I think what doesn't make it tedious is that it's... At the expense of Batman. Yeah. Like, if you had Batman in this, I think it would be too... And, I mean, you do. You have Bruce Wayne, but he, but he's a child. So, it. I think the fact that you don't have... I mean, so, well, no, you don't have Batman. You have Bruce Wayne, but you don't have Batman. You don't have... It does... It's... It... Like, I don't think... I don't think you can really have both, because it becomes too much. Right. It's a character study of just him. Yeah, yeah, and so I re- I really like man. The more I think about this, the more I, again. I don't think it's a perfect movie. There are definitely some uh, flaws. I don't. I don't even want to talk about this, but it's been like such a part of the overall discussion around this 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 whole thing. But this whole um, the incel stuff around this is the dumbest thing it's ever because it's so not dumb. even. It it it's. I just feel like people just want to be angry all the time, and so this is a movie, and like, and they try to tie it back to the whole, um, the whole like Aurora thing, yeah. Which they <laughs> total bullshit, like yeah. total bullshit. Like the guy was not trying to was not trying to dress like like the Joker. It was a statement that a cop had made. Just kind of an offhand, an offhand remark. Not sure um, why this guy had um done this. The, the dude dyed his hair and picked this film because it was the big film of that weekend. Yeah, like it had nothing to do with the character of of the Joker at all. The character has an has an inspired violence. Now I do think there's a whole conversation about like what do movies do? What are the powers that you know that um. Uh, that movies have, I think that's, I think that is an interesting conversation to have, but there is nothing in there that I think would incite anyone to violence, whether that be, you know, um, Occupy Wall Street people or incels, whatever. 
It's just, it's just, it's how it's many not of there. us learned it's the not... name incel because of that? I didn't know what that was. Yeah. Involuntary celibate. I did no, never heard of that. You obviously don't go on to Reddit. Nope, sure don't. Um, one last thing that I want to talk about that I loved and I thought made this movie, and I had since found out that it was done before the movie and actually helped Joaquin Phoenix to experience in order to enter into many of his scenes was that freaking amazing cello. The soundtrack, I'm sorry, I loved every time that jello. I mean, it came in. It is, I think that cello will be as iconic as the Dark Knight music is, and even as the, um, the Bois of Inception. Like, that, that cello, yo. I downloaded that the soundtrack today as i was driving to work to go give some talks and i was like well i don't want to do anything except watch the world burn like (laughs) i'm so depressed now (laughs) but that cello is amazing and then the funniest part was when he fully adopts the joker persona he's walking to the murray show he's going down a flight of stairs symbolizing his descent into madness and his acceptance of it and he's dancing the whole way down what song is playing but rock and roll part two also known as the hey song My the funniest time. So I saw it with Brian, and we didn't laugh at all. Like some people were saying, like it's dark comedy. I don't think it was meant to be a dark comedy, but uh, there was one guy. He's like, if you don't understand why parts are funny, then you don't. You're just so wrapped up in your own. And I was like, oh gosh, I didn't laugh at anything except that song. I thought that song was so funny because it's like the NBA song. Yeah, like, this is the arena song. And yet, here it is as the Joker is going to his famous Murray interview. I loved it. Yeah. No, I I, I think this thing has a lot of legs. I think it's going to be around for a long time. Um, again, just the fact that people have had so much, people who have actually taken the time to watch it and to think about it and to try to understand it have so much to say about it. Means it's got a, it's gonna have a lot of legs. I uh, worst part about the movie. All I have are negative thoughts. Um, I really thought that some of, especially in the beginning, the directing was just a little off. It just was a you know again paint by numbers, a, a bit of it. Not not in terms of like what happens within the story, but more um, the visuals. And perhaps the structure, but I not really. The only part I had a problem with was also the part that had my jaw open and I was thanking God was when he goes into her apartment and she's like, you're Arthur, right? From down the hall. Please, I got my daughter here. And then you all of a sudden realize, wait, did he make that stuff up? And then they show you the various scenes where she's not there and she is there and not there. Yeah. I was like, okay. I mean, we get it. 
Like you don't have to. <laughs> yeah, you'd have to see that. Yeah, I agree. That's the only. That's uh, the whole first part of the movie where like it has to show you who he is and how he falls. It has to show you that. And so the elements of paint by numbers, I thought did a good job. Okay, so what are the paint by numbers? You know, mentally ill man. Uh, no, I would say no. Like when I say paint by numbers, I mean like here's an angry crowd. They're mad about economic issues. How do we tell that they're mad? They're, they have they have a sign that say Thomas Wayne is a fascist. Right, but some of the other stuff, like half in the bag was like, um, lives at home with yeah, his I mom, uh, you know, has yeah, a dead end I job. I wouldn't agree with that. Yeah. So I just thought, Cause I, I thought some of that, but like, how do you, and then the other guy was saying, yeah, but how do you tell the story? You got to introduce it somewhere and you got to let him, let the descent happen somehow. I thought the relationship with his mom was really fascinating. And, like, I was like, oh, one, I don't want to see old woman boobs. Please don't let this happen here. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, it was really interesting. And I don't know if I would see it again in the theater. Like, I want my wife to see it with me, but I don't – I can't generate what I was feeling – that first time. Now I would be just going on a fact-finding mission. You know what I mean? Like looking for things and, oh, look, I finally found the yellow sign or, you know, like whatever. Yeah, but I like that stuff. I think. I do too, uh, but that movie was an experience. No, I know what you mean. That first, yeah, the first time you see it, it's, honestly, I, I think it's the best movie I've seen this year. Yeah, 100%. And I, there's more things that I need to see, but um, I just think, um Pound for pound, and like, like the like the way that the one guy cries when he kills the big dude, uh huh. The was just gut wrenching. Yeah. Oh no, gut wrenching. Arthur, what have you done? No, stop it. Oh my god. Oh, oh, oh. Like, and he's just panicking. Yeah. And he just hides behind a stool in the corner of the room. He can't do anything. And then when he goes over to get the latch, and he can't reach it. Oh my god, reach it. Yeah. When, when they showed him latch it, I said. Oh, this is this is where the movie gets deeply sadistic because I'm waiting for that because that kind of has that psychological yeah. thriller. Yep. So when I listened to the Todd Phillips explain it, he said it is um, it's unsettling. So it's not a psychological thriller where it's going to be like gruesome, gory. There is that one scene that we're talking about with the scissors and there's shooting Murray in the head, um, but that like. That's it in terms of like the over the top ish violence, but the scene where um, he goes and he's trying to leave. I immediately I was like, no, the la- the whole point of the latch of the camera hanging on the latch for just a little bit isn't to say I'm locking these guys in. It's because of the little guy can't reach it, and sure enough, that's what happens. And I was like, he's gonna toy with him. I thought he was a cat w- with a mouse, and he's just gonna toy with him and be gruesome. And he's like, you were good to me. You can go. And I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I know. Because I, I think if it, I loved uh, that little be, guy. I loved him. Yeah. If it takes a sadistic turn, it's a different movie, which is we've Excellent. seen a lot of that recently. I, I've also just watched The Boys, and it's just all that. Um, the it, Amazon it, it does super, it, anti-superhero yeah. movie? Okay. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about it. I have mixed feelings. Um, I, I refuse to watch it. Thing. Yeah, it's. I I don't think you are missing anything by not watching it. So, it just. Um, yeah. Anyways, uh, 
It's just yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I thought was really good that I, that I, I want to mention. I just uh, such a. I I think there's a lot there. You know, and it's I I I think part of the blowback is just people don't like Todd Phillips, and they don't like old school. They don't and they don't like um, the Hangover because they're you know those are the films that like guys in frats liked and quote. And that that they quoted when they were in college, and people just don't like it because of that. Old old wrong, school was my wife's favorite movie. Of course, it was. I I mean, I listen. I love um, I love the I I haven't seen all of old school because I always skipped the part where they were doing the um the mud wrestling thing. Oh yeah, the yeah. So I've never really seen the whole. But when he like covers the kids' ears, he goes, "You, just, you can say whatever you want now." But then he's, <laughs> I did that like, to my daughter earmuffs, the man. other day. I went earmuffs, and I put my hands on. Her, and I was like, "You can say anything you want now." <laughs> you don't listen, do you? Uh, cool. Oh, is this good? Sorry that we we haven't done on one of these in a while, and I was a, I was a bit off in my explanations. Loved it, uh, Murray. One small thing. Yeah. When you bring me out, can you introduce me as Joker? 